This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. So welcome to Beyond the Bell Tower, a podcast by TRIO students for TRIO students. And um, this is Sarah Wright talking to Kalia Broswell. Hello, hello. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we are um, super lucky to have Kalia come back onto campus um, to speak with us. Uh, Kalia was a TRIO student in what years? Ooh. Um, Well, I was at State from 08 until 2013. Yeah. 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 So she um, is a great TRIO alum. And you are in town to give a speech for our trio end of the year celebration yeah i'm excited okay what are you going to be talking about well i think the theme was um the power well not the power of you but just telling students how they can use you know things that um are unique to themselves that's what's Mm -hmm. going to help them be um, a differentiator in the job market and just any environment that they're in post post graduation so right yeah, just empowering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so is this the first time you've been back in DH Hill since 2013? Um, maybe so, actually. Okay. <laughs> I've been in Hunt a couple times since I graduated. Yeah. But DH Hill, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So when Kalia walked through it for the first time, you said you were getting chills. Yeah, it was a little triggering. I'm like, man, I, like my first two years at State, I spent a lot of time in here taking naps, studying <laughs> up at all-nighters. It was rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always say like there's a reason why the library is open 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we Not- definitely yeah. tested the limits there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and then you were a DJ here for the radio station. I was. I um, was on uh, WKNC 88.1. So I had a radio show called So for Renaissance. I miss it dearly every mm-hmm. single day. Um, we had to had to end the show because I just got too busy because um, mm-hmm. it was a Saturday show, but. I was on the radio from like 2008 through maybe 2011. So oh, wow. it was a fun time. Wow. And does this remind you of that? A little the bit, microphone? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I always, always know, like, talk directly into the mic, you know, yeah. all the things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to worry about enunciating mm-hmm. and uh, mumbling <laughs> and whatnot. Um, so if you can let the trio students know about you, your background, where you came from, sure. high school, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. The, my life story. Yes. So I actually was born in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, which is about 30, well, probably about 40 minutes east of Rocky um so all of my family lives still actually but in the second grade my mom moved me to Charlotte 
um, just for more opportunities, bigger city, things of that sort. And so um, Charlotte was interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, I hopped around schools because I was super bored. Um, it just wasn't challenging enough. And so my mom just tried, you know, to continuously find that challenge for me. Mm-hmm. And so, and I grew up on the west side of Charlotte, which is historically black. Um, and at the time, I didn't know that we were in, you know, what's looked at as one of like the poorest zip codes in the city. Um, unfortunately, it's still one of the poorest zip codes in the city, especially when we get into technology. But I'll talk. I'll get on that soapbox later. <laughs> so when I was in middle school, um, you know, I took a few technology classes, but it was like Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, that kind of thing. And like I always wanted more. But it was also in middle school when I saw my first um, or my high school that I ended up attending being built. Um, so we used to pass it all the time. And I'm like, hmm, Philip O'Berry Academy of Technology. I don't really know what they're going to do there, but, like, mm-hmm. technology, I'm in. Count me in. And so my mom listened to me, and mm-hmm. I went there. And so when I was at Philip O'Berry, that's where I learned how to code. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, like, like fascinated with it. Um, I previously just wanted to do, like, networking, I thought. Like, oh, cool, Wi-Fi stuff. You know, like, mm-hmm. to me that was interesting. Mm-hmm. but Like more like, software? Uh, no, hardware. No, like, hardware. actually okay. figuring out how to position you know the routers so that you have wi-fi okay. no matter where you are and like yeah. really getting deeper into the the networking aspect yeah i don't know why that was an interest of mine at the time yeah. but once i learned how to code it was a wrap i was like mm-hmm. oh this is it um because i thought it was fascinating to use a programming language to create something mm-hmm. that can evoke emotion out of people and they never see your code but mm-hmm. they see what the other side of it is um, which relates deeply into where I ended up right. um, post, post-grad. post Yeah, because people don't normally think of computer science and emotion Correct. together. Right, and so my mom was the one that kind of like triggered that for me because yeah. I created a notepad, which I thought she was going to be like, Kalia, we have a notepad on our computer already. This isn't special. <laughs> yeah. um, but instead she was like, oh, you made that? And I was like, yeah, yeah I mm. did make that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so later, you know, and I ended up at NC State, in computer science I actually started in computer engineering because mm-hmm. I was I was a little arrogant coming out of high school and I was like oh yeah. I can teach myself how to code I'm gonna do uh-huh. something different and I got weeded out um so if there are any computer engineering majors listening to this or anybody that started in computer <laughs> engineering you understand yeah. uh, <laughs> but I didn't leave engineering completely I just went to the other side of the building um to computer science and that was where I needed to be mm-hmm. it just took me a year to figure that out yeah um, what was it, the weeding out Oh man, get, was um, it a personal I, choice? No, like, it was enjoyment? a class. It was yeah. um, oh my goodness, what was that class? It was like E one hundred and nine, I think ECE one hundred and nine. Um, maybe it was assembly language. I think yeah. it was. It's just so for me, and I mean this makes a lot more sense now given my career. But um, I need to be able to touch and feel and see and like understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. When you're learning assembly language, which is like the basic language of a computer, zeros and ones. That does not compute in my brain. Right. <laughs> I right. can't see that. Like, it just right. doesn't make sense to me. Um, and so that's how I got weeded out. I was like, mm-hmm. I can't. I need more. I need. So in computer science, there's a concept called object-oriented programming, but it's, it's all visual, right? It's like, here's a form. Here's a button. You know, like, mm-hmm. I need that level of understanding right. in right. order to, to stay with it. Right. Yeah, and that's the piece is selecting a major that goes along with the way you learn. Yes. You know, and how you operate through the world. Right. Like, just because you started in 
electrical engineering and had to switch, it didn't yeah. mean that you were less capable or right. you failed, right. you know, right. at your goal right. or anything like that. Um, and that course ended up transferring over to, some, to cancel out something else in the computer mm-hmm. science part uh, department. Mm-hmm. So it worked out. Yeah. Um, I was where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, the, but the reason why I say all of this makes sense to me now is because mm-hmm. um, one of my last few classes I took at NC State was human-computer interaction. And then, and like, and I was so excited. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is what I've been looking for," um, because human-computer interaction really takes in the the psychology, the um, even to a degree sociology. But it's it's people, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding how do people understand technology, um, and I, I mean, I loved that class because um, mm-hmm. we, you know, it, it's about do we make this button color blue or do we make it green? Like how do people respond to it? Right. Um, or and it's not even just to software. It's about the physical space, right? Like um, what's a good example of this? Oh, perfect example, a door, right? Mm-hmm. You may go up to a door and push it and it doesn't move. And it's because you're supposed to pull it, mm-hmm. but there's no indicator on that door to say, push or pull. Mm-hmm. You just grab the handle and do what you first, in, in, like your first instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also a concept of human computer interaction. And I just love that way of thinking, like, how do we design something that's usable for people. Right. And I think like Steve Jobs, he went into like a lot of work and um, focus on even the font. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, you know, you that know. has a huge implication on, you know, because, I mean, a lot of people don't think about colorblindness, colorblindness um, or just accessibility in general. And Apple is like really known for baking that into their products mm-hmm. um, and doing accessibility first, because if you know, I'm using the color blue all over a web page or an app, but you're colorblind, it's not going to make any difference. (laughs) And if I need you to press that blue button, but you have no idea that I need you to, because the only way I'm communicating that is because of the color blue, you'll never press the button. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I can, I can nerd out on this. Um, Well, especially if that blue button is where they pay. Exactly. (laughs) You know, where they buy. Exactly. And so people don't think about that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And so like Mm -hmm. font and a lot of it plays mm-hmm. into um, the overall design, and that stuff is just very fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, because even when you said the human interaction, I know that um, Google has an internship program for, like, social sciences oh, majors. Oh, very cool. And um, it goes into the ethics. Mm, so there's a high too. demand for philosophy majors. Wow. Because now the ethics of technology. Mm. We actually had so. to take an ethics course. It was like a one-credit course, but... Mm-hmm. And I think they're enforcing it a little better now because mm-hmm. um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I didn't go to that class. But they <laughs> <laughs> did make us take an ethics course. But yeah. I think it's better to have the social scientists there because they can understand that better. Right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> um, so then why did you choose NC State? Why did I choose NC State? You know what? Uh, the minority engineering program sold me. So I actually didn't want to come to NC State. Um, I came for open house. Didn't really love it. Um, my heart was set on Georgia Tech, and that's where I wanted to go. That's where everybody thought I was going. They thought I got in. I did not get in. Uh, but I mm-hmm. convinced everybody at my high school I did somehow. Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, so I, I came to open house, I think maybe in September, October, and I was like, yeah, I don't really like it. My mentor graduated from state, and she was like, just apply, Kalia. Like, just submit the application. Like, All right, cool. Right. I'll mm-hmm. submit the application. Um, and then I came to – the minority engineering overnight stay my uh, the spring semester of my senior year of high school 
And that changed everything for me. Um, I stayed in North Hall with a student. I went to class. Um, and it was just great to be able to see so many, like, black engineers. And it seemed cool. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. I'm coming to NC State. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think by then, I may have already gotten denied from um, Georgia Tech. I did get into Chapel Hill, Virginia Tech. And I can't remember, maybe UNC Charlotte. Um, but once I saw that, like, that that was the magic moment for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, cool. NC State, I'm coming. Yeah, and that's where, like, the environment and the community yeah. was more imp- or as important as the program. Yeah, yeah, most quality. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's important to know, even for the university, to know, mm. you know, where they say we have, you know, one of the highest rated, en- you know, College of Engineering. Yeah. But if now one of their most esteemed alums say, you know, it wasn't actually the engineering mm, college, like right. the quality of engineering mm, yeah. that made me come here mm-hmm. or inspired me to come here. Mm-hmm. It was the community. Yeah, for sure. And so. and 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 it's interesting because my high school was predominantly black. Um, it was it was a mixed bag because it was kind of a magnet school back then, um, or maybe still is. I'm not really sure. In any case. <laughs> the, I, the minority engineering program went on a tour, if they, that's what they call it, mm-hmm. um, and they came to my old high school, and so there was a room full of students. I can't even remember. How, it was it was a lot of students in the class in the classroom, um, and there was a one young man who pulled me to the side. He's like, I've already applied to NC State. I really want to go there. This is great, but. How did you deal with the transition from going to Philip O'Berry where you see people who look like you every day mm-hmm. and go to NC State mm-hmm. where you don't? And, t- and teachers that look like and you And teachers too, too. yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was like, like, how did you manage? And I was like, oh, I was fine. <laughs> I was like, that is a great question. Yeah. But between the Minority Engineering Program, um, I was a part of Black Students Board, uh, the National Society of Black Engineers, uh, I just told him, I just like, I just did all the things where I found people um, in my community, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but the minority, mm-hmm. the minority engineering program kind of like set that in motion for me. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to campus, that's when I found, um, uh, that's when I found the Black Students Board. And then also had a peer mentor, which is out of uh, the multicultural um, affairs office. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. it, I told him, I was like, I'm, I was fine. Yeah. You know, while I mean, I have seen a lot of people who look like me in my classes I still had that community outside of that, so mm-hmm. I was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the piece, too, is that you're going to have to go out and find it, where maybe in high school you just kind of had you're it. just there. Yeah. <laughs> it's built in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes the students that I work with in TRIO, it's that those first years or even second years, and, um, you know, of the fear of joining different programs mm-hmm. or um, – actively participating like valuing like say the minority engineers um programs and all Mm -hmm. of that stuff yeah i mean um because did you know students that didn't take advantage i did because because okay so we did the overnight stay in high school but then there was also their summer bridge program called um, the summer transition program and so i still had a a built-in cohort at Mm -hmm. this point but like of students that are my age and in my same classes yeah and so then when time to go to school um, because we did summer session too yep once school started there were a lot of people that we were able to meet outside of our program but we had already built our little community right Right. and so um i'm not sure I, i believe that those who were in engineering were able to benefit from the mentors that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we already had our foot in the door, right, mm-hmm. and already had our friendships made, mm-hmm. and so it did make a difference um, mm-hmm. for those who were able to participate and those who weren't. 
Right. And I think that's yeah important to know is to, you know, take advantage of those summer bridge yeah. programs, yeah, even as how hard it may be. <laughs> right. Because we were getting up at like 7 a.m. to go to mm-hmm. calculus. Yeah. Uh, it was brutal, but it was yeah. worth it. Yeah. Or even like you're not going to be working your summer job. Like, so true. the fear oh, of that's not true. having enough money. Because I actually had an internship. I was working at um, what was Wachovia, uh, now it's Wells Fargo. In Charlotte. So I was making mm-hmm. like $13 an hour and I just was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm leaving to go to school early. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great point too. Yeah. yeah. And you have to think about like the long-term investment. Yeah. 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 But it was so worth it. it. Mm-hmm. I have no regrets. Yeah. No, no, no. Good. And then um, what else were you involved in at State? Like how would you Too describe? Many things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. I um, did it all. And I told, so I have a mentee who unfortunately is at Chapel Hill, but it's because she met me too late. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, listen, like get involved, but like don't do too much. Like focus on, you know, get your GPA up, things of that sort. So when I got to State, I mean, I was a part of the mentor program, which is fine. Um, but then I think I was a freshman ambassador for the Black Students Board, and I was the historian for the Society of African American Culture, which is also known as SAC. I believe it's still here. I'm not sure. And then my GPA at the end of that year was like a 2 or maybe it was a 3.0. It might have been a 2-something. I have no idea. But that was the lowest GPA you'd ever Ever received. had. And I was yeah. like, oh, absolutely not. Um Actually, I think I ended with a 2.75 after my freshman year, and I was kind of devastated, um, but it was my own fault. <laughs> and so I worked hard that following semester to get it back up, and it was at a 2.9, um, and then it just kind of fluctuated throughout my time here, and then I finally got that 3.0 back. We can definitely talk about this if you want, because yes, it is a comeback it. story. Oh, yes, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so... To get back into your question about mm-hmm. involvement, mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to be a part of sorority, so mm-hmm. I did join Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and the minimum GPA for Delta was a 2.75. I had the 2.75, literally, mm-hmm. um, but I'm like, okay, these are like women who are very esteemed. Mm-hmm. I can't go in with the minimum GPA, and so mm-hmm. the semester after my freshman year, I worked really, really hard to get my GPA back up, um, mm-hmm. and I was able to get it back to a 2.92. And then um, my sophomore year, that spring, um, that's when I joined the sorority. Um, But my motivation after that to get my GPA back up was a very horrible experience I had at a Nesby convention when um, I was talking to a guy. And I can you just say what Nesby? Oh yes, the National Society of Black Engineers um, is the largest student-run organization in the country. I think mm-hmm. that's our, still our motto. Um, and it's a phenomenal organization, and they have national conventions mm-hmm. every year. And it's nationally known by professionals. Yes. And it's not viewed as a just a student. Right, right, right. You know, initiative. They, it's a yes. professional. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, they have K-12 through chapters, collegiate chapters, and then there's the professional arm, too. So mm-hmm. even when you leave, you can still be a part of – um, the society, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the convention is huge. Companies come from all over to recruit. And I had a pat folio with my resume in it. And I was talking to a recruiter. And he was like, oh, okay, well, let me see your resume. As I'm pulling out my resume, he's like, well, what's your GPA? And I was like, a 2.9, whatever, 5, I don't know. He closed my pat folio. He didn't even want to see my resume after that. So he physically put his he hand on your padfolio. Put his hand on my stuff. Oh my goodness! I, I it took all of me to not react because you know in this situation he's in a position of power because I need an internship. But at the same time, that was very rude. 
very mm-hmm. rude. And mm-hmm. I have X'd that company off of my list forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And was that your first convention? I don't think okay. so. Okay. And I can't even remember the location. It may have been St. Louis because Nas- uh, Nesby tends to hop around mm-hmm. cities a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was in St. Louis, but I can't remember right off. Yeah, okay. um, but it was very detrimental. And so after that, I was like, okay. And then I also had a situation where um, I had a really strong connection for GE and they wouldn't let me get the internship because I didn't have a 3.0 either. But I was at like a 2.97, right? So I was fluctuating literally 2.92, 2.95, 2.97. So I was like, all right, I know I'm better than this. Mm -hmm. Um, And it never kept me from getting an internship. It was Mm -hmm. just those particular companies. Mm -hmm. And I was like- Like your reach goal. You couldn't get, yeah. Right, and it's just kind of like, okay, cool. Well, I can prove to you that I can get the 3.0 and I'm gonna get it, and I did. Um, I worked really, really hard. I was interning and taking summer school courses, and I'll never forget the day I was at work. Um, I was interning at Fidelity Investments, and this is when I was I was taking like summer school courses the entire summer, which is brutal to also work, but I mm-hmm. did it. And I remember pulling up my um, my like GPA, and it flipped to a 3.0. And I I don't know if I cried in that <laughs> moment, but it was very like, oh my god, I did it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't go back after those companies at all because it's like, no, you didn't want me at my 2.9. You're not going to get me now. <laughs> right. But I can prove that I can do it, you know. And mm-hmm. it was just one of those things that I needed to do for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to keep that through graduation, which was cool. Um, and again, it never stopped me. But I ended up writing a blog post about it that ended up getting printed in the Nesby magazine, actually. But a lot, I, oh. it was therapeutic for me to yeah. write. But so many people responded like that was very inspiring. And I was like, oh, Okay, Uh, (laughs) you know, and so I just encourage any student that's listening that's in engineering, particularly that's struggling with their GPA, but maybe you're Mm -hmm. in another major and you're struggling as well. Like there's opportunities out there for you and you're better than your GPA. So don't let that stress you, but like use it as a motivator to just say just to prove everybody wrong. And when I went to grad school. GE was blowing up my phone to get me <laughs> to intern because I had like a three six or something like that in grad school. But, yeah. um, you know, and I ended up not going to work there. I ended up at Bank of America <laughs> that yeah, summer. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, you know, just continue to be great. Well, and that's the thing is like, do you want to work for a company that has a culture that um, sees people as GPAs? Yeah, right. You no, know, you're like, don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um. And so, obviously, if you had had a 3-2, you would have gone there and perhaps had a great experience. Yeah, I mean, my friends but, had a great time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had a great time where I was. Mm-hmm. But it's like that giving the chance of seeing, like, the holistic student, yeah. you know, knowing that it's an internship for you to better yourself. Right, it's not, right. Why would you do yeah, that? Um, yeah. And I think a lot of um, companies have changed their practices, you know. And, and to be fair, a lot of companies, they just – you have to have some way to weed students out, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, for a lot of companies, it was the 3.0. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't have it. It just makes it easier for them to narrow down candidates because they're getting applications all the time. So from a business perspective, I get it. But, like, you don't want to crush a student if they're a rock star, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew I was a rock star, but mm-hmm. they just didn't care. So mm-hmm. now they can catch me on Forbes.com. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so kidding. Yeah, yeah, they can kinda. read about you. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kind of. Yeah. Um, no, don't kid. <laughs> don't kid. And I think that's the thing, too, is that, you know, someone physically touched your space, like, went into your space. Whew. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it also, like, working at a company in which 
like you have oh, employees. Oh, that kind of environment. Yeah. I, I wish mean, I, I had the courage I have now. I would have told him that was not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was also just so like, I was just so shocked. I think yeah. I was just stunned. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Yeah. You know, like you, you could have at least let me pull my resume out and take it and entertain mm-hmm. me. Right. Mm-hmm. And just say, sorry, but, you know, we take 3.0 maybe next year. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all you had to do. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to like close. Oh my goodness! Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm so a flashback. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, sorry. No, but fine. I mean, I think that's the thing is that there's no smooth path mm. any yeah. time. Yeah. You know, there's you know, which will go into your current success, <laughs> but it's not like you had this, you know, amazing smooth path that you had to you know deal with um, right. people and you know, requirements and, you know, kind of all that stuff. Lots of bumps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I was thinking when you were saying that you shouldn't have gotten so involved, in the, <laughs> in the in that time, yeah. would you take your own advice, do you think? Probably not. I was just, so what happened was, when I was in high school, they built me up so high that I thought I could do anything, which is great, right? You know, I appreciate all of those people. Mm-hmm. However, what they didn't realize is that engineering is really real. It's real. Um, and I won't lie, I did have some people tell me to kind of, like, people here at mm-hmm. NC State in mm-hmm. engineering to say, hey, Clea, you might want to scale back a little bit. And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then my GPA hit, and I was like, whoa. Um, I just couldn't handle it. And so I probably would not have taken, I didn't take the advice. That's why I'm trying so desperately to tell folks, like, hey, do, like, one extracurricular activity and just pad your GPA because it's hard to build that thing back up. But if you start high and it chips away a little bit, then you'll be fine. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of like do as I say, not as I did. Like learn from me. Be better than me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because I work with students all the time with mm-hmm. doing the same kind of I'm going to take advantage of every resource and opportunity yeah. that's presented. And obviously we want that. Yeah. However, at what cost? Burnout is real. I remember um, after I joined Delta and then we um, brought in new members and one of my, um, one of the newer members, she's also in engineering and we had quite a few engineers actually. But anyway, I remember she was so burnt out. She had started a new organization. She was a part of an organization you're trying to do Delta work, and, and she was an industrial engineering major. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're having this conversation. I'm like, you're burnt out. I am really concerned. And she's like, yeah, well, you tweeted once and was like, no days off. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm taking the days off. Like, I've been burnt yeah. out. Like, I, I, I never experienced this, but I've had people who had to go to the hospital because of exhaustion. Like, exhaustion mm-hmm. is real. And now that I'm older... I'm still flirting around with trying to balance and just, you know, take time to rest. It's still a struggle. Um, but, you know, I, I I was so sad, right? Like mm-hmm. when she was telling me this because it was my fault. I felt <laughs> I felt responsible for her, you know, being burned mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. so I try to be way more cognizant now about the communication that I put out, you know, about my own life and be transparent about like, hey, I'm actually really tired and this is not sustainable. Right. Um, And so, you know, please do better than me. (laughs) And everybody's different. Some people can go 100 miles per hour. It's not sustainable. You know, 20 hours, like they only need four hours sleep. Yeah. And then there's people who... No, you need 10 hours sleep yeah. to be your best. Yes, yes. And so you can't compare. You just have to know what you need. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's very real. Like mm-hmm. self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Or... Once you hit that wall, you'll learn. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you have to hit bottom. Yeah. Hopefully, you don't end up in a hospital. Right, 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 that's right. That's what Which we the extreme. Do not. Yeah. 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 But that's the thing, too, with engineering. It's one of the most stressful majors, I think, in the nation. Yeah. For. Yeah. And so that's like even. You're going to have to really take care of your. Yes. Like mental and physical health yes please use the res- the um the resource center i i'm i'm like what is this 2019 um i'm six years removed from nc state which is wild to say uh but the the health center like mm-hmm. go they have free therapy like do it um please do it i i, I had to go there once um it wasn't necessarily from a stress from school it was more so like family stuff mm-hmm. um but you know just as you said Engineering is the most stressful um, major, and that's real. Um, and, you know, I think the earlier we learn how to manage our stress with the help of others, professionals, the better. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, anyone that's listening to this, please go to the health center if you need to mm-hmm. um, and find the right therapist there to help you just kind of talk things out. Right, 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 right. Like you can't do it yourself. Yeah, not all the time. Or you don't have to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah There's no need to. to. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And it took one of my friends in the psychology major that was like, hey, Kalia, mm-hmm. I think you might need to go to the health center. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I'm going to go. Right. Yeah, I finally right. got to that point. Right. Yeah, listen to your friends. Yeah. For sure. Um, And then you went on to graduate school. Like, what did you do I right did. after um, um, NC State? So... This is actually the first time I'm going to be able to tell this whole success story here. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I did undergraduate research while I was here at NC State, um, and that kind of changed my life a little bit. And so I did I did the five-year plan in engineering. Mm-hmm. So I had an extra year here to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. Um, I got a full-time offer to go work at Boeing, the airplane company. Didn't take it. Decided, hey, I'm going to go all in with grad school. But I wanted a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. Did not get into any PhD program that I applied to. And so I was like, huh, okay, now what? It's April. I don't really know what's about to happen. And so actually, I think it might have been March. In any case, um, I reached out to one of those programs and said, hey, like, what's, you know, what did I do wrong? Not necessarily what did I wrong, but like, what kept me from getting in and how can I change that, right? Right. Like, what's your feedback for me? Yeah. And my professional growth. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And their response Mm -hmm. to me was go get a master's degree and then reapply. Um, While I had a full package, my, some of my computer science grades was a little alarming, right? And Mm -hmm. especially if you're comparing me to other students from other schools. Okay, cool. I get it. Mm -hmm. So then I applied and I ended up at um, UNC Charlotte uh, with a master's in information technology and a focus in human computer interaction. We spoke about how like I fell in love with this field but I was only able to take that class like right at the end. And it's like, all right, cool. Well, now I get to focus on that in, in grad school. Great. So I went to UNC Charlotte um, right after I left NC State. And then um, I took a year off. So I ended up interning at Apple for a year, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> uh, and, and a lot and of people. And how did you get that? Because that's, that's a great what, question. Is that one of the most competitive internships? It's hard to, to get, get in. Get, yeah. It's hard to get in. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a taboo system. Um, but I am a part of the National Center for Women in Information Technology. Mm-hmm. It's called NCWIT for short. Mm-hmm. And I was at a summit, and Apple hosted a lunch just for um, the ambassadors there. And I was an ambassador. And so I actually ended up, there's a picture out there in, on the web of me sitting beside what was then the inclusion and diversity leader. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. Right? Because at, <laughs> at the time, I didn't, I didn't need an internship. I didn't want you know like yeah. I was already interning at Bank of America 
Um, this and that's is, why you're in, while you were in grad school. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, okay, you know, it, I I didn't need anything from them at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I can ask him any kind of question that I want to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we we got into it a little bit about diversity. It was a great conversation. He ended yeah. up being a sponsor for me when I got to Apple, which is great. Right. Um, and so it was a recruiter there who stood up and said, hey, we have a special email for you all if you want to apply to an internship. Well, I didn't want my stuff to go into a black box. So I went and talked to said recruiter and I said, hey, I'm Kalia doing user experience. Like I'm interested in user experience, which is the role that often matches for human computer interaction. And I have no idea how to get to Apple. Do I need a PhD? Like I'm asking her these questions. She's probably looking at me like, okay. So she gave me her card Mm -hmm. and was like, just email me your resume and you know, we'll keep in touch. So Mm -hmm. I get back home, update my resume, send it to her. What ended up happening is she knew of a manager that wanted a diverse candidate for user experience, whether um, diversity means race, whether that means gender. Like, well, he definitely wanted a woman on his mm-hmm, team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he had a double bonus with me. <laughs> I would like to say that. I think mm-hmm. I think he would agree. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, it's like I found a team that, you know, you fit the description for. Do you want to interview? And I'm like, cool. So the recruiter said, that the, the, the manager wanted me to come for the fall. So I'm thinking, all right, bet. I'm going to take a semester off of school and just graduate a semester later. My interview comes around, and I actually took this interview. So Apple is located in California on the West Coast. So I was, like I said, I was interning at Bank of America, and I remember dashing out of my office at 5 p.m. so I can get to my car to take this interview because um, I was, it was a three-hour time difference. Mm-hmm. So I took it right after work. Hop on the phone. And I'll never forget, um, my manager's name was Alan. And he was like, hey, Kalia, you know, love your resume, whatever. Um, would you be able to come out here for a year? And I just instinctively, instinctively said, sure. Yeah. But when I got off the phone, I was like, wait, who takes a year off a two-year master's program? <laughs> like, no <laughs> one does that. I felt crazy. And so I started, you know, reaching out to folks that I knew yeah. um, that had interned, or not interned, but um, had gone to grad school. And I'm like, is this normal? But I looked at UNC Charlotte's guidelines, and they were like, you could take two semesters off without having to reapply to the program mm-hmm. and come right back. Like, nothing ever happened. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to Apple for a year. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, the long yeah. answer, or the shorter answer is I networked my way into Apple. Yeah. Um, I had two interviews. I never had to apply. I sent that email. I mean, well, I sent the resume. Had two interviews. They loved me. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that's what I work with every day is students who would never physically approach face-to-face mm. You know, say like an apple. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what if they say no? I don't know what to say, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, So what would be your advice to the person who um, doesn't even have a lot of experience with approaching Mm. um, even faculty Hmm. and asking for things? Could they practice with you? Yes, they can. Or are you too familiar? Yeah, I would... Do yeah, some, put them with a not... trio staff that they don't work with. Okay. So perhaps. my advice would be to practice one, mm-hmm. um, maybe even just um, as simple as you know using what's available to you on campus, right? So when I got to DH Hill today, I didn't really I didn't know where the podcast studio was. So the first thing I did was ask the guy downstairs, "Hey, do you know where the TV studio is?" Like just get used to asking people you don't know questions relevant questions mm-hmm. so they won't look at you like you're crazy but <laughs> right. um get in the habit of that you know and I think that will help lower the barrier but also understand that companies need you 
right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, to be more specific about how to approach a recruiter, mm-hmm. companies need you. So keep that in mind. While they have the power of hiring you, you have the power of saying like, hey, you need me and tell them why, right? Mm-hmm. Like always mm-hmm. remember the why. Why do they need you? Don't be super arrogant, mm-hmm. um, but just be confident in mm-hmm. it. And I think the best way to practice, again, is to practice on strangers, just asking questions. Um, don't attack people in the brickyard or things mm-hmm. of that sort on <laughs> yeah, the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, ask people, you know, at the service desk or whatever. Like just get used to approaching people you don't know and asking them for help. And then that'll kind of like build your confidence up for when you go to a recruiter or utilize the career fair. Um, the career career fairs, though, can be a little stressful. So I actually would say, you know, depending on your, your anxiety levels, like mm-hmm. career fairs used to freak me out um, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So anyway. Because um, it's too chaotic. It's chaotic. And then just it's just like, man, I don't know. There's 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 a lot there. But mm-hmm. what I would say is go to the more private meet and greet, if you will, um, mm-hmm. events that companies hold. Mm-hmm. That's how I got my Boeing job, too. Um, I got there early. I you know, introduced myself to the recruiter that was leading the session. Talked to her after. I was like, hey, here's the roles that I wanted to apply to. Here's my resume. Um, so I would say try to uh, approach them in the more intimate settings than, like, a career fair. Right. But just build your confidence up. Right, right, right. And that's the thing is you had that negative experience and it didn't stop oh, you. Oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah. It, I mean. Yeah. And that might be why <laughs> career fairs freak me out. But, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because if it's like you have one, you know, bad experience, mm. it doesn't mean that it's going to happen all Every of time. the time. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the piece, too, is if that Apple recruiter knew she needed diverse employees and diverse interns she didn't necessarily approach you right like you had to approach her and and start the conversation Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like even though you're they say we want diverse candidates and you're like well why aren't they coming up and talking to me (laughs) right 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 Mm -hmm. so it's like happen that way (laughs) (laughs) no um so then what did you learn from apple or what were your experiences how did that impact you? Yeah. So, you know, the full story is that I went to Apple to intern for a year. Um, I went back to finish my master's degree, and then I went back to Apple full time. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't all roses, right? But I'd, I learned a lot about myself while I was there. I learned a lot about the tech industry while I was there. Um, you know, I learned, you know, one thing I can say specifically I know I learned is that I'm not, I don't do well when I'm being micromanaged. Mm-hmm. And so... What my internship team taught me, like the manager that I had there, and just our culture was, it was a very um, feedback positive culture, right? Mm -hmm. So I would have one-on-ones with my manager, and he'd be like, all right, so what feedback do you have for me? And for a while, I was like, I don't have any feedback for you. Like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) It's an intern. What do you mean? Yeah. Um, Or is this a setup? Right. Or is this (laughs) a setup? Right. And so I had to, like, fill him out. He's like, no, Kalia, like... I know I'm your manager, but, like, I need feedback, too. Like, I'm not perfect, um, you know. So the next time we meet, I need you to give me some feedback. And I was freaking out. Like, what do I tell my manager? Um, and, I, and I ended up getting comfortable with it. And I remember there was a time where he said something to me that I actually didn't agree with. And so during the one-on-one, I brought it up. And he was like, thank you for that feedback. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I learned how to get comfortable with sharing feedback to someone who – you know, manages me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say is, like, he didn't like it when you didn't give the feedback. Right. He so preferred he, 
to get the feedback. Right. Um, and we that that company. I mean, that team was very unique. Um, I, again, I learned a ton. Uh, I mean, I learned like actually work stuff, right? Like I learned how to be a designer, which is great. Mm-hmm. And you know, I went from being, uh, you know, someone holding my hand to like me just going off and doing. Um, the work myself, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I also learned how to advocate for users. So in user experience, it's all about what the user wants. So the person that's actually using your app is the most important person in the entire project, right? And so I remember we were in a meeting and um, my boss actually uh, disagreed with a button color. Okay. And I said, oh, well, the users said, and he was like, he looked at me, he was like, oh, all right, well, keep it green. <laughs> yes. like <laughs> So I was able to use that as a weapon, and I was like, yes, I won. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I those are more tangible things that I learned. But Well, and that's like using the research. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like using the, the research. Yeah, the survey and, information. Mm-hmm, but so you're I was, coming back with him with information. Exactly, and I was confident enough to be able to say it in a meeting with engineers, designers, you know, just like, well, no, I think it needs to be this way because – of the users this Mm -hmm. is my job so Mm -hmm. you know and he trusted me so Mm -hmm. it worked um so that was cool and then i also learned a nifty little trick so for those of you going out into corporate america if you would like to talk to an executive maybe not the ceo but people who report to the ceo um or even on down the trick i'm giving you a million dollar trick here is to email their admin the admin has the keys to everything um, literally the mm-hmm. calendar, like literally everything. And so while I was at Apple, I was able to meet with Lisa Jackson, who runs environmental government and um, education initiatives at Apple, who previously led the environmental protection agency under president Obama, which is very cool. Right. Um, she's actually like a mentor to me now, which is great. Mm-hmm. She's also in my sorority. So I'll use that as my in, mm-hmm. but someone gave me that tip. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. email her admin. If you want to get on her calendar, because she's never going to respond to your email. Right. Uh, in which she did respond to my emails, but like the admin got right. me in the door. Right. Well, it's the admin that actually tells them where they're supposed to be exactly. and who they're meeting. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they'll fit you in. Now it might take months. So if you're interning, like do this first thing, like find that one person that you want to meet with. And as soon as you get in the door, especially if you're an intern, because they love interns, like executives love interns. Now, if you're full time, you you may have a more time. But like my meeting with Lisa, it took months for it to actually like happen. Right. Like it was mm-hmm. scheduled months out. But I was patient. I was like, whatever. Give me that 30 minutes. Two months away. I'll wait. Mm-hmm. Um, my last day at Apple as an intern, I met with Denise Young Smith, who ran um, human resources at Apple. Um, also a black woman, and um, I told her all the things that um, didn't really go right. (laughs) (laughs) But from an intern perspective, you Mm -hmm. know, all of these companies in tech are struggling with diversity, right? Mm -hmm. So they have all of these recruiting mechanisms, but my issue was the retention. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like there was enough going on in the company to retain those of us, they were trying to get there, right? Mm-hmm. And so I shared that with mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was writing notes the whole time mm-hmm. I was in her office. And she's no longer at Apple, but, you know, I'm in a group chat with her now, right? Or, right. like, if I need to, I can take, hey, Denise, you know, I can I can text her. And mm-hmm. so I'm not saying that you're going to be, like, super-duper cool with these people when you leave them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you want to go talk to an executive, I definitely suggest doing that um, and just introducing yourself and having something to talk about because it's a short time. Um, but email their admin. Mm-hmm. I learned that too while I was there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I had yeah, a great yeah, time yeah. as an intern. I mean, yeah. and even at Apple, in my two years there, I was able to see Stevie Wonder perform. I saw Pharrell perform. 
Um, I can't think of anybody else because those were awesome. I, I was able to hear from, um, oh man, her name is Carla Harris, I think. Um, she's an executive at JP Morgan, I believe. Phenomenal. Um, I was able to see and meet. So I actually took a picture with Tim Cook, who's the CEO of Apple, but, um, I was able to meet, um, oh my goodness, he's, he's a civil rights leader. His face is in my head, but I can't think of his name. But I was able to have these opportunities just because I put myself out there and was a part of like um, what was then called the African-American Employee Association. And so I was able to have these opportunities that you know people don't always get. So it was awesome. Right, 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 right. And I think that's the thing is like if you come giving feedback in a professional way about their company it's like you're on their level yeah it's like your peers yeah or, or whatnot yep um yeah and that's the thing and i didn't read this too closely but um that's the piece where like they're talking about like the recruiting of diversity in computer science mm-hmm. and tech companies but i'm not seeing a lot of the research on retaining yeah it's, it's what do you know about like retention of diversity in tech companies from a research perspective i'm not sure what the data mm-hmm. looks like mm-hmm. but like, if you yeah, nationally yeah but if you pay attention to like the diversity reports that you know apple google all of these companies are putting out mm-hmm. you can kind of look at the numbers right you can mm-hmm. see where the dips are year over year like oh you know i think facebook don't um, this is not a quote <laughs> mm-hmm. facebook had some crazy stat where they had only hired like I don't know, less than 10 um, black employees one year, something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you start looking at the data, I think people started releasing these reports maybe as early as 2014. So if you just kind of look at 2014, 15, 16, 17, um, at the percentage or the exact number um, of black, Latina, um, you know, I think even, I think they may have put Asian in 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 these data mm-hmm. points as well but if you look at the minority data um year over year you can kind of tell that the trend mm-hmm. um and i'm just speaking from my own personal experience like i have several different group chats that were created while i was at apple um it was all black people men and women and many of them is like one or two people still at the company now granted mm-hmm. some of those people were there five plus years some of us weren't were there two years <laughs> and we left right. right and went to other companies and you just think about that and it's just like wow because um, when they didn't necessarily leave because they got a like kind of for personal growth or personal reasons they left because they weren't satisfied in the workplace i think it was a little bit of everything mm-hmm. i mean you know when you're in these places and spaces a lot of times you're the only one right mm-hmm. and it's only but so long you can you can deal with that like apple has several buildings across two different cities um in cali and in my particular building i was the only black woman we had two and that's a building like yeah. with how many employees uh, probably probably it was about 200 people that sat mm-hmm. in that building i mean maybe um mm-hmm. but that wasn't even the first time that happened mm-hmm. and i remember we had two girls come from Georgia tech um two black women um and oh my goodness i was like yes <laughs> and when they left i wanted to cry it's like no don't leave me yeah. um, and i'm still connected with them but i was mm-hmm. you know even though i wasn't assigned directly to them as as a mentor like i still took mm-hmm. them under my wing and right. you know we went to napa and like did things and mm-hmm. so and i'm still very um i'm still in, in contact with them and um 
you know, it's, it's just it's just made all the difference for me. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, so I do have this stat here that Facebook um, in 2014 had 31% females. Mm. Um, and I guess that's Apple too, but they decided that was a problem. So they hired new, you know, diverse, you know, diversity inclusive directors mm. and, you know, whatnot. So anyways, yeah. what do you, like, what advice did you give, um, to the human resource person <laughs> as to how to retain? How to retain? That's a good question. I don't know if I came to her with the how. I think I just said, hey, y'all need to focus on this. Um, but, you know, a part of it is, so while I was at Apple, I mentioned NCWIT earlier, the National Center of Women in Information Technology, which will come around again when I talk about InTech. But um, NCWIT has a summit every year, and I was able, as a, when I was full-time, to go to that summit with Apple, and they took a lot of senior executives. Mm-hmm. Um, not the folks that directly report to Tim Cook, the CEO, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like two levels down. Right. So that was a unique opportunity. Right. Um, and I thought it was great. I could tell that they were really soaking up the the workshops, especially about unconscious bias and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. My advice to them at that point was take this back to your middle managers and your, you know, like this needs to trickle down. It's right. great that you all are here. I love this. But if you're not passing it down to the people who are managing those individual contributors like me on the ground, then it's null and void, right? right. Like it's great that you have this um, foresight now, but if they don't, then it's not going to matter because I'm not reporting to you. I'm mm-hmm. reporting to the folks two or three levels down, mm-hmm. right, in mm-hmm. the in the management structure. And so I don't know if that was heard. And I actually said that to someone um, someone else as an intern. I mean, as an in- when I was an intern at Apple, I was a little rebel. It was it was it was interesting. Have fun. Um, <laughs> well, you were, you knew you were there for a short time. Right, 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 right. Yeah, uh, it was it's like though. if they fired you, you had grad school. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of yeah. like, and I mean, I was there for a whole year. So once I got out of that shell of oh, I'm an intern, I was like, oh no. Uh, once mm-hmm. I found my confidence, I was just <laughs> running all over the place. Um, that's why I said my manager loved me. But anyway, yeah, we had a very interesting relationship. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I, I, I was very, um, adamant about telling whoever would listen that like unconscious bias training need to happen with all managers. Mm-hmm. Um, like they need, like it needs to be mandatory. And I think someone said that like, how, oh, you know, you know, I think well, they may or may not have that rolled out, but I'm like, it needs to happen. Yeah. And there needs to be, be accountability. Yeah. Even beyond goal. the management. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that to me was like the first step in the mm-hmm. right direction. Mm-hmm. But, um, cause I see when I go to, um, different workshops and trainings on campus to work better with specific populations of students, yeah, it's the staff that are there. It's yeah. not the administrators, the assistant deans, mm. you know, yeah. And so that's the piece where it needs to happen at all levels. Right. Like are the decision makers in <laughs> mm-hmm. the room yeah. or if the decision makers worldview is not changing, you know, I mean, obviously you can change within, but yeah. the accountability and the change in culture. Yeah. Because even for myself, um, I think I was first introduced to unconscious bias at NC State, I believe, through my leadership with the Union Activities Board when I was mm-hmm. Black Students Board Chair. This is something mm-hmm. that they, you know, focused on. Mm-hmm. And it opened my eyes, right? Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, so it's not just one of those things where if you're a non-minority, you need, like, everybody needs unconscious bias training. Like, we're all, yeah, we all have a human. Bias. Exactly, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To be a better human. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I think that's one thing to help with the retention. You know, they have the employee resource groups that exist um, at pretty much every company. So mm-hmm. you can find your community. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, like, putting more money into those, right? I remember um, us trying to figure out how to get Apple to fund us going, like some employees going to certain conferences and that was a struggle. And it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, why do we have to fight? You know what I mean? Like this right. is actually going to help your bottom line because if you send us to this conference, we're going to come back to work rejuvenated. Um, right. And so anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get into your business that okay. you created and own, but that's one of the things um with the research, um, African-American women-owned businesses mm-hmm. are starting at higher rates than any other um, business by population of gender, race, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they're saying is that that's being done because in the workplace, mm-hmm. they aren't getting the opportunities. They're, they're not valued in the way that they want to be. So they go out and create the environment so mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. so real um so i live in charlotte now and i have a crew of it's five of us um so we have sherelle who owns two businesses mm-hmm. <laughs> black tech charlotte and the plug which is the only newsletter for black tech news um there's Letitia bird who was a career coach she formerly was a actually she's an nc state alum um mm-hmm. she went here for grad school she got a degrees in accounting but she found her passion in helping others um, with their careers, and so she started her own business. Um, there's Quinn, who has she's an interior architect, and we want to talk about diversity numbers. Mm-hmm. If we get into the architecture world, like it's very dismal. Um, and so she has her own firm in Charlotte, which is great. Um, and then Raven Solomon, who isn't she was actually valedictorian at NC State in 2008, which still blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but she's a uh, motivational speaker and just released mm-hmm. a book. Um, just phenomenal. And so we all found each other within, within this last year. So now we're a unit. Okay. Um, and, you know, to speak to your point, it got to a place where we all were like, no, we just have to create these things for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great that we're all, you know, in Charlotte and black women, but um, we found a community within ourselves and we're able to like work together, literally like, hey, I need you to do this. I'm going to pay you type mm-hmm. work together, but also... I have things I need to do for my business and I'm going to be up late tonight. You free to join me? Yes. You know, like to Mm -hmm. have that community. But I think if we were to drill down into like the why, right? Why do we all start our own businesses? You're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. It's because Mm -hmm. of the environment and not even just the environment, but like a lot of times, which is so interesting with companies, um, you know, we want to do, want to do more. Right. But then we're told no. Right. right. Or Mm -hmm. like there's a ceiling and it's like, well, Mm -hmm. why is it like this? And it's like, you know what? Forget it. I'll go do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we become corporate dropouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and also the pay scale. Yeah. Like of you know where mm-hmm. it's like no, I'm going to determine my own exactly salary, my own salary, mm-hmm. which is not easy, by the way. Yeah. Anybody listening to this entrepreneurship, I think it's glamorized. It's very hard work. I did not open my laptop at all yesterday, and people are texting me as if the world is on fire. And I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. I'm going to get you all the things <laughs> when I open my laptop. Right. Um, but anyway. Right, right, right. Yeah, and the other stat they have here, which um, came from an American Express report, I think that was nice. done last year, mm. um, 
is that African-American women-owned firms have grown 174% since 2007. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. amazing. So you're part of that? Yeah. Yeah, support (laughs) And all your other... (laughs) So, um, yeah, do you want to talk about your business? Sure. Um, I'd love to. I kind of have two businesses. I kind of have three. Of course, of course. (laughs) I am a business. Kalia is a business. No. um, So when I was in grad school, I received a grant from NCWIT, the National Center for Women and Information Technology, to do a one-day camp for girls, teaching them how to code. And that, to me, that was going to be it, right? Um, And so I did that event from the scholars that we had doing the program, the volunteers, the parents. The energy in the room that day told me that this had to continue, right? Mm -hmm. But that also happened in 2014 when I left to go intern at Apple. Um, And so, long story short, Intech actually turns five this year, tomorrow, but I don't know when this is going to be released. So (laughs) April 26, 2019 Mm -hmm. marks our fifth year. Mm -hmm. Um, So Intech Camp for Girls is a nonprofit organization, and our mission is to inform and inspire girls to innovate in the technology industry. So what we do is we teach girls who are in grades 6 through 12 how to code, how to build a website, how to build an app. Um, We teach them about user experience and, you know, just making it fun, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, our our pillars are inform, inspire, innovate, right? And so you're going to learn about tech. You're going to be exposed to women in tech um, that often will look like you. And then you're going to learn how to build something. Um, And so our flagship program right now is our summer camp, which we do host at NC State. We've been here for the past two years um, with our partner, the Women in Minority Engineering Program. See how that came full circle? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And actually, the director, Ms. Angie, her daughter is in my program. So that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So super duper full circle. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, connections are critical. Yeah. Like you can't do it without. Yeah. I mean, Ms. Angie has known me since 2008. Um, so we're going on 11 years now, and not only is she supporting my program, but her daughter's a benefit of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just been phenomenal, honestly, the journey. Just like um, I always talk about Ryan, who came to our first camp. She actually left early that day, I remember, because she's a soccer player. Mm-hmm. So she came to the first camp as a seventh grader. Um, she and I reconnected last summer through another program that I was teaching her for, but it wasn't until the end of that program that I realized, like, wait, you're in InTech. Um, She was like, yeah, my mom reminded me, but, like, I forgot to say something. I was like, typical teenager. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. But now she's my BFF. No, just kidding. (laughs) Ryan is actually going to A&T in the fall to study engineering, Mm -hmm. right? And when I looked at her application from 2014, it said that, like, InTech was her first exposure to tech in a formal way. Mm -hmm. Um, I always talk about Harmony Riggins, who also was at that first camp, who's now one of my mentees, um, and her mom is my mentor. I actually used to live with them when I was in grad school, so they're more like family. But Harmony now wants to do user experience at a, at a top tech company, right? Mm-hmm. I'm actually taking Harmony along with three other um, of our scholars to Facebook's headquarters next next week, and they earned that trip mm-hmm. through a project that they did um, for me in the fall. Um, they submitted it. It's a nationwide program, and they got selected for an all-expenses-paid trip to go to Facebook in California and do a hackathon where they're able to build a product alongside um, Facebook engineers. I'm going to take them to Apple. I can say mm-hmm. this on, on here, but I, yeah, it's yeah. a surprise for them. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go to Netflix. I know they're going to be excited. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just going to make it fun. But, like, the fact that they're going to get to go to Silicon Valley, which is the heart 
of tech mm-hmm. as high school students is so pivotal because I didn't get to Silicon Valley until after my degree program at NC State. Um, and when I got there, I was like, how am I just getting here? Like, it was like, t- this is Nerdland. Like, if you're in tech, you need to go to California mm-hmm. at least once um, yeah. to the San Francisco Bay Area. Right. It's nerd um, Disneyland. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the, like, if you're on the 101, which is one of the main highways, mm-hmm. literally the billboards are in code. Like, that's how oh, nerdy fuck. it is. And, like, you're driving down the highway, and, like, you'll see, like, a company of an app that you use. And it's like, oh, uh-huh. wait, I use that app. Uh-huh. Um, t- oh, it's Nerdland. Um, but anyway, you know, I can I can talk about in tech all day. But uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I think that's the thing is, like, so a one-week camp mm-hmm. literally has changed the trajectory of that student's life. Act- future family yeah. yeah because with a degree in computer science and then a career in computer science she will you know always have quality health care she yep. will always live in a quality you know yeah safe home yeah her children are more likely to go to college like they will mm-hmm. definitely go to college mm-hmm. you know it's like her family and her will never be the same like they'll yeah ne- she'll have challenges it's, it's but it'll economic. be it goes back down to economics, um, and I'm so glad you brought that up because it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the zip code that I originally grew up in in Charlotte, mm-hmm. um, in which is still one of the main zip codes that is being affected by the digital divide, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's so funny. I, I have one one journal that I kept from when I was in high school, and uh, just reading it just kind of made me laugh, but I didn't realize that I was I, considered poor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we just, it, it, yeah, it you what just it live. is what it is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we were poor. Right. Whatever. Um, I never thought about it that way. But from a society perspective, we were whatever. Cool. 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 All right. Well, what I was able to do through tech is make it out of poverty. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never have to live like that again because mm-hmm. of your exact point. And so in Charlotte in particular, I don't think this is the case in, in Raleigh, but um, there was a report and I, I, I just took a deep breath because people in Charlotte talk about this all the time. There was a report put out a few years back. Um, it was a study done. And Charlotte was number 50 out of 50 um, cities across America that stated if you were born in poverty, mm-hmm. you're not going to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, North Carolina has, or they did, I don't know, five years ago, th- out of the top 10 cities mm-hmm. um, in hunger. Wow. Um, three of those were in North Carolina. Wow. And the only other state to have three cities at, in that top 10% of the hungriest cities mm-hmm. was California. Not even surprised. Not after living there, like the homelessness mm-hmm. is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And so in Charlotte, since that's where home base is for me, I hear this all the time and I'm like, okay, you want to talk about economic mobility, like mm-hmm. being able to get out of poverty? We need to be teaching these students technology. Mm-hmm. And it's not all about coding, like coding, coding, coding. That's all you hear mm-hmm. about. It's not just that because coding isn't for everybody, right? Like I didn't go into detail, but like coding got me into tech. But that's not what I like to do, right? I like right. The, the design aspect of it, the people aspect of it, because um, I'm a bit of a unicorn. I like to talk. Um, <laughs> I happen to like people. And so, um, but I'm like, you know, to be transparent, you know, I left Apple on my own terms. I was making a six-figure salary. I had a whole lot of stock that I left on the table. <laughs> that's another discussion. Kalia. <laughs> I know. I had a whole lot of stock. But, well, to, yeah. but to get all the stock, I would have had to stay there for five years, right? right? And so I decided in 2018, I'm going to mm-hmm. leave to do in tech full time. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't have all the answers, but I did have money saved, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I knew I had some stock that I could fall back on if things really got real. Mm-hmm. The only way that I've been able to sustain myself is because I had that job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my family definitely didn't understand. Like, what do you mean you're quitting? Where are you going to get money from? I've not had to ask anybody for money mm-hmm. in this year plus time of me leaving my job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of the skills that I've been able to gain through tech, um, and so it's, it's a, it's an economics, like it goes back down to economics. And, and so that's what I want to do with Intech, right? Like I know these girls are capable of doing whatever they want to do. Right. Um, we just got to give them the skills and the confidence to do that. Um, in the, in the people, right. Mm-hmm. Like show them like, Hey, you can do this too. Mm-hmm. And, they, I, and I know they get inspired by it. Um, and that's what keeps girls like they come to me every other year. I mean, mm-hmm. every year, like, mm-hmm until they age out of our programs. And so now we're at the point where it's like, all right, we have to get something baked in for high school students because our camp is just for middle school girls. And once they go to high school, they're looking at me like, okay, now what? (laughs) And so last year we got funding from the United Way and we were able to do a pilot for a high school program. And my thing is I'm, I'm super educated, right? Like I went to NC State, went to UNC Charlotte, about to go get the PhD that I talked about earlier. Oh, um, where are you going? I'm going to Temple, so I'm moving Yay. to Philly. Yep. Super excited. Um, got a presidential fellowship. Super, super excited about that. Um, and so... In what program? Computer science. Computer. So I get a PhD Ooh, okay. in computer science. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'll probably be able to um, do my dissertation on the work we're doing with Intech. Mm-hmm. But uh, my point here is that while college has worked for me, I know college isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so what we do at Intech is give girls skills where they can write, they can make money right away. Right. Building websites or just, um, you know, maybe running someone's social media or creating Google form. You know, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of need from a mm-hmm. tech perspective for small business. And it's like, while you may not want to go in tech as a profession, mm-hmm. you can still use this to make money while you're trying to figure it out. Right. Right, like the skills and knowledge you have at 16 years old is worth a dollar amount. Yes, yes. And that's that's the value in what we're doing. It's not all about – now, granted, I baked college in because, again, our summer camp in Raleigh is at NC State. Our summer camp in Charlotte is at UNC Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of our model is going to be to be on, on college campuses, mm-hmm. mainly for resources, um, mm-hmm. but also, too, to kind of, like, reinforce, like, going to tech, go to college. Um, you know, and, and I'm working on trying to figure out how to support them when they even get to the college mm-hmm. level too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just not there yet as a, as a, as an organization, mm-hmm. but like, you know, here are the opportunities in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Right. And then how do you make your money? Ooh. So how do you, <laughs> that's a complicated question. Uh, yeah. so with nonprofit and social entrepreneurship, um, there's a lot of ways to make money. The main thing that has worked for Intech is grants and individual donors. You can also get a lot of money from corporate sponsors. Um, so, for instance, and this goes back to networking, <laughs> um, which I've been, by the way, I've been crafting this skill since high school. So mm-hmm. don't think that I just learned this overnight. Um, it took a lot of practice, but I went to a conference last summer. There's a lady from Walmart there. She had a lot of stuff in her presentation about virtual reality and technology and how they use it in Walmart. Cool. I went to talk to her after she got off stage. And I'm like, yeah, I run this organization. In August, we talked. She kind of went off the radar a little bit. I was like, hey, I got a high school program. I need some snacks because Walmart will donate snacks, like local Walmart. Mm -hmm. She's like, hey, Kalia, sorry I've been, you know, um, radio silent, but I have a $5,000 check ready for you. Um, You just got to go pick it up this Friday, 8 a.m. at this location. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't always happen that easy, mm-hmm. but that's just an example. Right. Um, we recently got funding from the Duke Energy Foundation. We got um, funding from Wells Fargo. So you're like part of your job is grant writing Unfortunately, and fundraising. It shouldn't be. Like as the executive yeah. director, like found like yeah. all of it, like I shouldn't be doing all of these things. Yeah. But yes, if I want yeah. to fund our programs mm-hmm. um, and I, I just started getting paid from Intech this year and I just mm-hmm. get like a little stipend. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, grants, we got a grant from the United Way last year. I think that was $11,000. Um, and so, yeah, just applying for this stuff. Mm-hmm. But from a social entrepreneurship perspective, there are also competitions. Mm-hmm. So I did a fellowship um, out of New Orleans where they gave me $10,000 to pilot an idea. So that was money that we were able to get. Mm-hmm. Since we're a 501c3, we're able to do um, fundraising campaigns um, because it's tax deductible for folks to mm-hmm. donate to us. We had a store up. I need to revive that um, for our merchandise. But, like, you know, you have to get creative in the nonprofit space. But my dream is to, um, from a for-profit perspective, um, well, really my dream and my vision is to um, create a business where our in-tech scholars are actually doing work for clients. Mm -hmm. And the clients will pay in-tech for, let's say, a website or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll pay the, uh, the high school students to do the work mm-hmm. um, and then funding from like that contract, if you will, will go into the nonprofit mm-hmm. so that that'll kind of diversify our revenue and we're mm-hmm. not always having to go after grants or, you know, fundraise and things of that sort. Right. Um, but then too, the students are getting work. Mm-hmm. People come to me all the time, like, hey, Khalil, you know someone to build an app? Hey, Khalil, you know someone to build a website? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have to, I have to get this done. Um, so from a for-profit perspective, personally, I said I had three businesses. Um, <laughs> I also do consulting. So like last mm-hmm. year, for instance, um, there's a a lady named Unique Jones Gibson. She has this, uh, she has this, she has a lot of things. Um, she had this campaign called "Because of Them We Can," where she used to dress up um, little kids as mm-hmm. like historical African American figures, mm-hmm. um, like Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks. You know, you name it. She probably had a photo of it. And it was great. She started um, this Dream Village tour last year where she took this red bus, they decked it out, made it like a little mobile office, a mobile classroom Mm -hmm. even. Um, And so long story short, I joined that tour and taught students how to code on this big red bus. It was a really awesome bus. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were able to teach students how to code in Atlanta, Chicago, and Wisconsin, right? So that's something else that I do outside of Intech because, Mm -hmm. you know, Intech is is purely – Black, Latina, Native American um, girls who are in 6 through 12, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we can't help those who don't fall into that bucket, right? right? And so I tend to do consulting from a for-profit perspective Mm -hmm. um, in order to to meet those needs. Right. Um, And then apparently I'm a brand, according to my friends. (laughs) So public speaking and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. um, But yeah. Mm -hmm. And then how do you do the public speaking do you have like an agent? Because I know there's like I wish companies. I had an agent. That Apparently, um, agents don't help. I forgot. My friend was was um, was telling me this, but I've been doing public speaking since high school. I haven't been getting paid for it, and I know that there's a market for it. So like right now, if you go to my website, clearbrasswell.com, small plug, um, <laughs> I have like a, a sp- uh, an entire speakers page, right? And there's like a form you can fill out, so that's all I can get details, and mm-hmm. it really just. It's about um, networking. So, like, I recently did uh, TEDx UNC Charlotte. So that's going to get me some exposure and, and gigs. Um, and people just mm-hmm. kind of reach out because of the nature of the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to speak last year at the Urban League Conference. Um, did the TED Talk. I've done Nesby 
a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's a matter of you applying to speak um, at conferences, but then mm-hmm. sometimes these people will find you as well. Mm-hmm. So no agent, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. And that's the thing too is like diversifying your experience at NC State mm. in that to learn how to public speak, yes. how to fundraise, mm-hmm. how to network. So, so you have resources. your courses, yeah, but then like all of the other stuff that yeah. you need to do as part of your education. Because when I first got to state, I was a part of the um, engineering entrepreneurship program. Um, I weeded myself out of that, <laughs> unfortunately. However, I know it's grown, right? And mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of resources here at NC State that you can take part of that's free. Like, mm-hmm. And people will pay for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I would say take advantage of of these programs um, and things of that sort. Take advantage of, of TRIO and all they have to offer because they didn't talk about how Lori set me down and we we mapped out my life on her mm-hmm. whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time I ever thought about and, she, and, and I'll never forget. She told me, she's like, you know what, Clea? The position for you isn't created yet. Like, mm-hmm. the position for you to have is not created. You're going to have to create the position. Not necessarily, like, as a business owner, she wasn't saying, right. but she just, like, basically, like, pitch myself to these companies. Like, these are the things that I can do for you. You mm-hmm. don't have this position yet, but, like, let's make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I created a dream board. Like, she made me sit down and say, hey, Clea, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, just write mm-hmm. everything down. And that was the first time I ever, like, wrote those kind of things down it freaked me out it took me five minutes to write anything on that paper um she probably remembers that and I still have copies of that stuff right um and so be very intentional about writing things down um but understand that it may not happen in time right Right. like because I remember writing Dr. Kalia Braswell back in 2013 well that's not coming Mm -hmm. to fruition until 2019 but it happened Mm -hmm. right um and I'm not the five-year plan girl I don't do that. I can't even do a one-year plan. (laughs) Um, So don't freak out, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know what you're going to do. Just do things that you love, Mm -hmm. um, and and it'll come. Yep. Excellent. Thank you very much. And people can find out a lot about you on your website, LinkedIn page. Yep. So um, if you just Google Kalia Braswell or In Tech Camp for Girls, um, I'm on all social media platforms as Kalia, K-H-A-L-I-A. Braswell, and then Intech is I-N-T-E-C-H-C-A-M-P. Thank you, Kalia. No problem. Thank you. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about student support services at NC State.